Um, it brings me great pleasure to be here. You're kind of my grandchildren in the Lord, uh, because I know Carmen and I had much hand in this fellowship, even from when it's in, it started in a little little social club place that they had in this uh, apartment complex way back. Those of you who weren't there, but James, I think, remembers it. And I remember James when he was single. I remember the wedding. I remember that day in the basement. Um, you know, God calls us to be men of God, women of God. Who here thinks that's easy? Anybody? Good. Then I don't have to do any counseling afterwards. Um, if you would bear with me and open to Hebrews chapter 13, and while you're turning, I'm going to be talking. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter tells us, and he's really quoting from the Old Testament, he says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Of course, here Peter is talking about Jesus, which is as saying that Jesus is a rock of offense. And that's equivalent to the gospel being an offense. The gospel, the gospels, plural, are the account of Jesus' life. That he said what he said and, and what and how he lived. I just would like to start today's message with a statement. For those who may be offended by this message. It is not my intention to offend, but the gospel is an offense to many, even to some Christians. Because we want to believe that we are inherently good. Really, we are sinners saved by grace. We are dirt that God decided to use one day. And God doesn't need us. He would like to use us. And sometimes being dirt gets us dirty, makes us dirty. It has us do dirty things. And I just want to make sure that we understand this. You know, in chapter 12, we see that the author of Hebrews, which I believe is the Apostle Paul, we can argue that if we want, but I believe I'm right and you may be wrong. <laughs> and it talks about the complaining that we do when we are mistreated by others. And, and we murmur and complain a lot about stuff that happens. And sometimes it's those brothers and sisters in the Lord. A lot of times those that are more mature than us then see our, our problem and, and try to correct us and try to bring us into a straight line. Um, sometimes it's our pastors. You know, I have a pastor that I love and, and I so, so love my pastor because he was one of those few men that would tell me what I needed to hear. Sometimes it's about hearing what you need to hear. And he was always faithful. Even to this day, he's faithful to that. And I am so grateful that God gave me a man like him in my life. So I can understand 
when when Heather and when um, Joe make a big deal of karma, we just did what we're supposed to do. We didn't do anything special. They think so, but we didn't. We just did what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to disciple. We're all called to disciple. We're not called to be evangelists or teachers or all these other things. Those are the giftings that we have. We're called to disciple. And sometimes that is saying things to people that you love very much, very difficult things. Things that they really do not want to hear. Though they know it themselves. <laughs> That's the really peculiar and to me funny haha thing about discipling. A lot of times they know it and they'll even say, yeah, Luis, I know. Then why aren't you doing it? Then why aren't you executing? Then why are you grieving me in my spirit? Let's look at verses 5 and 6, and we'll start there. We'll start somewhere in the middle of 13, because I'm going to kind of explain a few things in the spirit of discipling. This is really the spirit of discipling. I'm, I'm going to touch discipling, but I'm, there, there are certain things that we need to do in order to be discipled and to disciple. Look at verse 5. It says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, when I heard Pastor Paul say, <laughs> he will never leave us nor forsake us. Since I've been here this morning, God has, has actually confirmed scripture that I was kind of not 100% about using this morning. This was one of them. I wasn't sure if I was going to lead off with this. But when I heard Paul say, he said it twice this morning. I said, wow, okay, Lord, I'm going to jump in. See, covetousness is the opposite of contentment. Often covetousness and greed are excused or even admired in today's culture and are simply called ambition. How many of you know that word, ambition? If you know the word ambition, raise your hand. I really want to check. I want to check. Okay, some of you don't know because you didn't raise your hand or you weren't paying attention. Ambition is something that this world grabs onto and says, yeah. But really, what are you being ambitious for? See, if you're a Christian and your ambition isn't heaven, if your ambition isn't Christ, Jesus, God incarnate, there's a problem. Because you will measure everything with your flesh instead of testing it in the spirit. There's a great problem. See, Paul had it right, or had the right idea in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 13. He says this, he says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full 
and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. See, a lot of people like to quote that last part of 13. But you've got to understand if you're going to quote a verse, what is the content of the verse? You can do all things in Christ Jesus as long as you're doing it with the ambition of heaven, as long as you're doing it with the understanding of being in need and being abound and doing things right before the Lord. See, the hardest things for us to do as Christians are the things that are right for the Lord. How many of us see people and we'll say, hey, bro, you're doing this, you're doing that. And we get this reply, bro, you're judging me. You're judging me. How many Christians here, really, can I get honest? Can we do a little interactive here? Because I came here to teach, and, and I'm a teacher in heart. I'm a disciple. I've been in training all my life. I've trained dogs. I've trained people. I, I've, I've done it all. I'm a behavioralist. So I, I want to make it a little interactive. How many of you here believe that we as Christians should not, should not judge others? How many? You're all in sin. <laughs> and you have no idea of what it says in the scriptures. Yes. And I saw some frowning. See, I already started offending. It didn't take me very long. I'm what? How long am I into this message? Let me just see because I have my timer here. I want to see how long it took me. Gee, it, it took me 10 minutes. Yeah. Let me explain what I just said. And I know what I said is harsh. There is nowhere in the scripture where it says you cannot judge. It is a misinterpretation of two scriptures. In fact, we Christians have the right to judge. Because we're fruit inspectors. If your fruit is not becoming of a Christian, then I should judge you. Towards what? Repentance. For you who are spiritual, correct one. Right? It doesn't say you who are more spiritual. I, I like how people mess that one up too because they say, no, no, it says more spiritual. I said, really, go read it. It says you who are spiritual. How many are born again Christians here? Raise your hand if you're born again Christian. You are spiritual. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit, making you spiritual. You have the right to judge. How are you doing it, though? Are you judging on to repentance? Are you doing what that piece of scripture that Paul speaks about? You who are more spiritual, correct a brother. Least, and he says, he warns you, least be careful. Because you can, you can get your head all puffed up and do it wrong way. You're supposed to do it in the spirit of gentleness. In our church, our pen says, speak the truth in love. That's what our pens say. You, you owe that to Pastor Paul and Claire. They, they said, yeah, go for it. Put that on our pens. So it's their fault. But we say it because we need to understand some things here. See, contentment has more to do with what you are on the inside than what you have. See, contentment has nothing to do with what you want, has nothing to do with what you have. It has to do with who you are in here. Because serving God is a matter of the heart. 
Are you content with what's in your heart? See, Jesus corrects the disciples one day when they're, when they're being rebuked by the Pharisees as they're walking through the field, crushing grain with their hands and popping it into their mouths like popcorns. And the Pharisees were having a cow because they said, these guys haven't washed their hands. This is unclean, unlawful. This is sinful. And Jesus corrects him and says, listen, dude, what goes into your mouth via your hand goes into the mouth and is eliminated. If you need to know the rest of that, I can explain afterwards. <laughs> he says, what is truly important is what is in your heart and comes out your mouth. Wives, wives only. How many of you have been offended by the words of your husbands? Be honest. I know my wife's going to put her hand up. Yeah, <laughs> See, it wasn't what your husband ate that day or what you fed him that day that offended you, right? Well, it all depends. You know, he can have funny habits, but we won't get into that either. You know, this piece of scripture says, so we may boldly say the Lord is our helper, right? See, I believe that Christians do not look to God for help they look to be satisfied of the flesh see when your flesh is offended you choose to strike back instead of asking god what you should do i've taught my men and my congregation a real rule and 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 i know if you can all look back at paul i wish paul if you can stand stand up hey, paul stand up stand up i want you to see his face when i say this look look at paul i says you have three voices, right? You have three voices. What are they, Paul? God. Uh-huh. You. <laughs> three voices. Do you know them? Do you know God's voice? Do you? Do you know your voice? I know you know Satan's voice. Because that's the one you tend to listen to. I'm going to give them an earful. I'm going to tell that person. I'm going to let them have it. See, God is not about that. Real contentment comes only when trust in God is met and has met our needs and to be and becomes our security. See, when Jesus is your security, when Jesus has met your needs, you find contentment. And when you are content, it doesn't matter what anybody says to you. It rolls off of you like water off a duck's back. And instead of giving them a piece of your mind, you give them the Spirit of God. And you say, Lord, you touched them. Lord, you change them. Lord, if they are wrong, not, not because they're wrong. See, see the difference? If they are wrong, then you deal with them. And give me strength to endure. See, that's the prayer that we should be praying. Because maybe they're right, and maybe you're wrong. And God's using them to open your eye, 
your ears, and your heart. Because God uses sinners to correct sinners. Isn't that something crazy? I know he does it in my life. He gave me Carmen. <laughs> he loves to use her. Now he's using my granddaughter. I have a beautiful granddaughter. And, and I love to use the word stupid because I, I learned in the military that sometimes people stand on stupid. They just stand on it. And they, stupid is here. And they decide, I'm going to stand here. This is my stand. I'm going to stand here and defend my point of view from the place of stupid. <laughs> and my granddaughter will come home to the house. Normally, we, our church is like 50 feet away from our parsonage, and we live in the parsonage. And my granddaughter will sometimes come on Sundays after service, and she'll say, Abuelo, which means granddad. Abuelo, you said stupid again. I've told you that's a bad word. <laughs> and I'll say, Lily, I am so sorry. She says, don't do it again, abuelo. <laughs> Four years old. She's discipling me. Will you bend to that person? Or, you will, dis or will you despite, despise their youth? Go to verse 7, and here we go. Now that I got you primed, let's, let's do this. Verse 7, it says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Now, we're going to be here for a little while, we're going to hover over this scripture because it's important for you to understand who your leaders are and why you have them. Your leaders are not here to give you a tickling of the ears. They're not here to make you feel necessarily good all the time, to have you walk out of this place floating and singing kumbaya. That, that's not the purpose. We are told to recognize and follow godly leadership in the body of Christ. That's what we are called to do as Christians. Leaders that, that show a legitimate faithful walk. Why do I say legitimate? Because if you're going to talk about your leadership, if you're going to complain about your leadership, you must know them from the inside. You can't judge them from the outside because you don't have all the intel, all the info, everything that goes on. And a lot of us tend to get upset. I remember times that I was upset at my pastor for saying things to me. But it wasn't until I became a senior pastor and sat in the seat that he sat for, what, 30 years now, did I not say, man, I got that completely wrong. I was standing on stupid, very good, interactive. I, I like that. See, I, I've done that. 
Carmen can tell you I do that. I, I have this place in my house, and there's a word that says stupid, and I sometimes stand on it and pontificate from that point, from that place. I am not immune to that. See, is and are your leaders teaching you the word of God? And are they teaching you the word of God from a place of holy conduct? Because that's how you measure. And you have the right to question. And you have the right to judge. But Jesus says something about judging, and this is where people get it wrong. Beware how you judge, for the way in which you judge, you will be judged. See, if you're judging without all the intel, without all the information, you will be judged harshly. That's what the scripture really is saying. If you judge without all the information, you're judging harshly, too quickly, from a place of, thank you. And God doesn't want you to do that. See, Paul advises young Timothy along these same lines. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul speaks to young Timothy and says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. What doctrine is that? The doctrine of Jesus Christ. No other. No other. Continue in them, in the doctrine of Christ, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. See, this is how it works. When Pastor Joe, Pastor Luis, Pastor Paul, Pastor Rocco, Pastor Eddie, and all the other pastors that are associated with us, and I'm only going to talk about us too, if, if those pastors are studying the Word of God, if, if they're preaching the Word of God, and they're studying the Word of God, and that Word of God doesn't convict them, then how dare us come here and teach you what God has clearly shown us? See, we teach what we learn. See, God first touches the man, the individual, and breaks that man. And puts him in a place of, man, I, I've stood on stupid on this stuff. And I don't want to go teach it from the point of stupid. I want to go teach it from the point of, I've learned my stupidity. Let me not repeat that. That's what Timothy is saying here. So before we stand in these pulpits, this is why I'm talking outside the pulpit. See, right now I'm a man. I'm not Pastor Lewis. When I come down here, I'm one of you guys. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a brother. I'm all those things. And then above it all, I'm a Christian. See, how many of you are from Italian descent? Okay, put your hands up. How many of you are from Afro-American descent? Okay, good. Come on. Come on, guys. I'm half black. Raise your hand. Be proud of that. No problem with that. How many of you Hispanic? Okay, of those of you who raised your hands, because the other ones were not, you know, if, if you're Irish, if you're, if you're Scottish, if you're other, then it's okay. I'm speaking to all of you. I'm just, I just pointed out three. How many of you believe that's what you are? But only a few of you. See, you're all wrong again. 
Because first of all, you are a citizen of heaven. That's your first. Then you're Puerto Rican. Or then you're Dominican. Or then you're Italian. Or then you're Scottish. See, if you say you're born again, you are born again. That means that old stuff, that you were a Scot, that old stuff, that you were Swiss, that old stuff, that you were Italian, that's old. That's the old man. And when you talk from that place, you're talking out of a place of... Thank you. You need to understand who we are, who we are. We are citizens of heaven. And in heaven, there are certain rules. And it says, remember those who rule over you. Who have spoken the word of God to you. We don't speak our opinion. Opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody has one. Why would you want mine? I teach you from the word of God. I rebuke you from the word of God. I chasten you from the word of God. I redirect you from the word of God. I encourage you from the word of God. That's what we do from the pulpit. And you need to understand that. Because if you don't understand that, then you're going to get it all messed up. You're not un- going to understand. See, such leaders that teach from the word of God should be recognized and follow. Remember those. That's what Paul is saying here in Hebrews. Again, I believe that Paul is the author. Just as much as a church needs godly leader, it also needs godly followers. See, why should we be the only ones that are holy? Why should be we the only ones that should be pious? <laughs> it's called the body of Christ. Not the pastors of Christ. Not the leaders of Christ. Not the disciples of Christ. It is the body of Christ. We are a body. And we are to be holy and separate and godly in our conduct and behavior. I was in the military 20, 23 years, in the military 22 years. And for a lot of it, I was an instructor. For 20 of the 22 years, I was an instructor. When I started my career instructing, I was a drill instructor. I was a DI. And I used to teach people something. It was decorum. If you were in the military, you had to have decorum. And decorum is the way you should act in front of others. Christians, you should have decorum becoming of a Christian. Becoming of a citizen of heaven. And if you are a Christian and you're fleshly and you're ungodly and you're dictating your walk, your ways, according to what this world says, you are in peril. And it comes out when you get challenged. See, but a good portion of the church follows those who tickle their ears. I'll name one very famous one, Joel Osteen. My son named him from the pulpit on Wednesday. I will take a stab at him today. We want to hear the good message. We want to hear the kind message. 
We want to hear the message that makes us float and feel good about ourselves and feel loved and cared for and that it's all good. One day you're going to stand before God. It's called the Great White Throne Judgment. Everyone in this auditorium, everyone that is, my brother is, is calling me. Does my brother not know that I'm teaching the Word of God? It's amazing. Remind me to call. Yeah, it's Gus. He's calling me. I can't believe it. Ah. I had to share that because now I'm going to give him this CD. Um, We have to be people that understand a couple of things. Either we are or we ain't. Two things, a couple of things, I say, right? Either we are or we ain't. If you are a saint, then act like one. If you're not a saint, then I can excuse your behavior. But we will all stand before mighty God one day. And you can't run from that one. You will not excuse your behavior on that day. You will not be able to. The few guys that have met God in his throne room have not argued the point. And the one who tried on earth, his name is Job, got torched. Because when, when he started to question God, God said, hey, hey, where were you? When I set all this in play, where were you? Did I call you? Did I text you? Hey, Job, what do you think? Some of us believe that we're going to get an opportunity to actually say to God, whoa, 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 whoa. Those who talk too much and like to give too much excuses, I always see this cartoon picture. They're going to get this, this thing, this plate screwed to their mouths, you know. And he says, okay, now that you can listen, I'll talk to you, God will say. Paul in Romans 16 tells the church, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses. He says, note those that cause division and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, and avoid them. You're supposed to avoid those that create offenses. You're supposed to avoid those that create division because God says their offenses as witchcraft. You're supposed to avoid them, not listen to them, not give them audience, not give them an ear. You're supposed to, in today's vernacular, say, speak to the hand. Because I'm not listening. See, we have to be people that are honest first with ourselves. You need to understand what you lack in your Christian walk. Because we also need followers that are godly. 
The dilemma is a simple one, really. It really is a simple one. The Word of God is taught here, and I believe it's applied here by your pastor and his staff. Just like it is applied by me and my staff. But the parts some disagree with are or ignore to obey, those parts create issues and problems among the flock. That rebellion is really against God and His Word. See, when you allow those to create division, when you allow those to create offense, differences, when you allow it because you're giving it ear or you're giving it comment or you're giving it noteworthiness, what you're doing is you're inciting rebellion. You're, you're, you're allowing that. Who do you belong to? Why do you have to defend your point? Are you not citizens of heaven? You should be defending God's point. And do yourselves a favor. Like I tell the people in my church. If you're not happy with the policies of the church, walk up to your pastor, shake his hand, tell him thank you for what you've poured into him, and go find another church. Guys, there's left-handed churches and there's right-handed churches. Find out what you do. If you, if, listen, this is a clue. If you write with your right hand, you are right-handed. If you sign with your left hand, you're left-handed. Go find that type of church and be blessed of God. It doesn't make you better, and it doesn't make you worse. It just makes you different. And we should be okay with those differences. I have no problem when people leave my church because they're not happy or they don't agree. I shake their hand, I put my hand on their shoulder, I pray them out. God can still use them. They're just not going to use them in carny. It's that simple. I'm okay with that. I don't lose sleep over it. I don't thread over it. It's funny because I'm going to tell you a figure, and you can talk to Pastor Paul and Claire because they've seen it happen, and it still happens today. More than 50% of those who leave end up coming back. And I say, okay, come on in. But understand one thing. We do it this way here. And you have to be okay with it. Because if not, then I might ask you to leave. And when I ask you to leave, there is no returning from that one. Because then I get to make the decision. Let's look at a piece of scripture, and I'm going to go backwards here. Let, let's, go to, let's go to verse 17. Here's, here's the bomb. Here's the bomb that, that Paul just decides to let go on the church. It's a bomb. It's a human bomb here. Look at it. It says, verse 13, obey those who rule over you. By the way, in the Greek, it's emphatic. It, it, this is not a suggestion. This is not maybe you should. He says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Not only obey. 
obey them, but now you're supposed to submit to them. Look at what it says. For they watch over your souls as those who must give an account. Guys, sisters, brothers, this is the biggest pill that I have to swallow when I deal with the body of Christ. I have to give an account to God. See, you're going to be judged that last day on your conduct. Not only will I be judged on my conduct, I will have to give an account for your souls. You, you want to be in a bad place? You want to sit in a heavy seat that day? Not only do I give an account for me being a husband, a father, a brother in the Lord, a Christian in the Lord, but now I get to give an account for some of you and your souls. I have to give an account, it says. You know, this is what I've learned in the pastoral ministry. Under my pastor, under the four pastors that mentor me and disciple me, I have four of them that I answer to. Why four? Because I want to test the spirit. Each time one of them speaks of correction, I'll go to the other one and say, hey, so-and-so said this. What do you think? Yeah, he's right. You're wrong. That's how I test the spirit, see? If the large majority of the four say that, Louis, you're wrong, then I, hey, uh, I'm wrong. But this is, this is what happens. This is what happens. Because I give an account for your soul, I'm going to always make sure you know the truth in love. I'm always going to tell you what the scriptures show me, what the Spirit of God is leading me, what I witnessed in your life. Because I don't judge any man or any woman unless I'm inside their life. Unless I'm, I'm, you know, I can't talk about a husband until I speak to the wife. I do that with marital counseling. Sometimes the husband comes to me and they come into my home and they trash the wife. And, and after that, like the scriptures say, don't listen to the first report. <laughs> because the first report is going to make you make a mistake. And you know what I do? I walk out and say, man, that woman, that woman. And I call her into my office. And I said, I want you to give me an account about, about James. And then you give me the real deal on James. And I said, Dark James. <laughs> you got to know all the sides, guys. You got to understand. You, you can't make a good judgment if you don't know the full counsel of God. If there's anything that we pastors do, most of the week is study and understand the scriptures from its full counsel from the Old Testament and the New Testament from what the disciples say and from what Jesus says look at the rest of that it says let them do so with joy and that, that's the problem you know I, I don't I don't do my job sometimes with joy it says, but it says that you're to let me, you're to let Joe do our work as pastors with joy and not with grief. But most of the time we're grieved by some of the things that come out of your mouths. Because you choose to make that decision in the flesh. And I'm, listen, if anyone's here is hot, Joe didn't call me 
and say, hey, can you teach this stuff? Because so-and-so and so-and-so are grieving me, and they need to hear it. No. This is the message that I chose. Uh, Holy Spirit put it upon me to teach. I've taught it in more than one church this year. So I wasn't even prepared for this fellowship. It was prepared in advance. I taught this at a discipleship class in Siegen, Germany. I was, just got back last month. So don't even try to go there. If you're getting torched because of this, then you need to get on your knees. Because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Because some of you are grieving the leadership of this church with what you say and with a conduct that is not becoming of a man or woman of God. You're being ungodly and you're in sin and you need to repent. Because we should be doing this, that we do, this calling. This isn't a job. This is a calling. This is a lifestyle. See, you're not a Christian on Sundays and on Wednesdays. If you're a Christian, if you call yourselves Christians, you're a Christian Monday through Sunday. It is something that you are. It is not something that you do. And therefore, there must be a conduct becoming of a child of God. A friend of Jesus. Because Jesus wants to call you his friend. And when you're in rebellion, when you're talking, when you're flapping your lips, just because you got hurt, just because one of the leaders called your attention to someone, one of our newest, one of our newest young ladies in our church, I love this young lady, Disciple, Carmen disciples her. Lovely young lady, honest as they come, dear in Christ as they come. Made a real big mistake the other day in children's church. This was the mistake that she made. The little kid that she, one of the little kids that she's watching is a very rambunctious little boy. And she said to the parents, and they picked them up, Your little boy is just bad. <laughs> no. And, and then she said, okay, pastor, what did I do wrong? I said, if it was your child, and you were picking him up, and they told you he was bad, what would you think? She goes, oh, I was standing on stupid. I said, oh, yes, you were. <laughs> she did it out of ignorance. I can always forgive and be graceful with ignorance. It means you didn't know better. doesn't mean you're stupid. Ignorance means you didn't know better. When you know better, and then you go and do stupid, I have a really tough time giving grace. A lot of times I give it. Carmen says I give it too much. But you know what? There's a time for grace. There's a time for correction. There's a time for rebuke. There's a time for redirection. I get to choose that. Why? Look, look at the rest of it. For that would be unprofitable for you. See, when, when you do not allow us to do our job with joy, when you do not allow us, when you aggrieve us, it, it is unprofitable for you. For you, for the body. For you as an individual. Not for me. I study this stuff. 
I know I'm a sinner. You know, every time I study the Bible, I figure out how big of a sinner I am. And I see how big God's grace is. And I see how undeserving I am to be a pastor. Somebody had to do it. I raised my hand. He picked me. He picked dirt. He picked the dirtiest one. Because by using the dirtiest one, he is glorified. Because people that know me, people, I mean, you got a guy in this fellowship uh, who runs a Spanish Bible study. I won't say his name. Um, he oversees your Spanish ministry. I won't say his name. Um, he speaks Spanish. He's married to a Spanish lady. I won't use his name. He, he, he knew me when I first came to Christ. I remember his rebukes. I remember him saying, the, the, Lewis, the fool speaks all that is on his mind. And I said, what are you trying to tell me? Do I resemble that remark? Guys. Time is up. Guys, I know what I am. I know who I am. I know what I do. I own a wife. She often reminds me. I have three godly children. They bring it to my attention. I know I shouldn't be a pastor. It is only God's grace. So I'm speaking to you now not from a place of being a pastor, but from a place of being a brother in Christ. Do you really want to face God on that last day with what's in your heart? With what's in your mind about the leadership of this place? Because that's not your problem. If you're going to judge that brother, you need to have all the information. And I challenge you to find it all out before you open your mouth and stand on. I know my son in the Lord. I know he isn't easy. Somebody had to be a cop and God chose him. It has to be hard as a congregation to have a cop as a pastor. You know why I know that? Because it's hard on my congregation to have an ex-drill instructor as a pastor. I run it like military. We run on time. We do things the right way. Ten hut, left face, right face. All those things. But think about this. Did he put us in this place? Because this is what you need not what you want. And he's asking you to obey and submit. It's right there on that page. I didn't write that. I'm just quoting it. Are you content? Let's go back to verses 5 and 6. Are you content as a Christian to receive that which you need so that you can honor the Lord God with your life and your walk.
because that's why Joe is here. That's why Vinny is here. That's why Paul is here. That's why the rest of the staff is here. Because these are the men that you need. And you're to submit and obey. Not like robots, but like brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. There's a provision for you who want to question. There's a provision for you who desire to scrutinize. That is called Matthew 18. There's a provision for you. If you're not going to do Matthew 18, then you should shake his hand, thank him, and go find another church. It's just that simple. It would be less work for you, less aggravation for you. I was taught a long time ago not to teach pigs to sing. I was a dog trainer at the time, and I was handling some training incorrectly, and an older brother in the training industry told me, you should never teach a pig to sing. And I said, why? I said, because you'll annoy the pig and frustrate yourself. You don't want to be frustrated? You don't want to be annoying? Don't teach pigs how to sing. If you don't understand the analogy, I'll gladly explain it after service. But what I'm saying is, where are you? Where is your heart? Are you really following the Word of God? Because the Scriptures say that we are all called to reconcile. For we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And if you're now willing to reconcile those differences through Matthew 18, then there's something wrong. And it might not be your pastor. It might not be your elders. It might not be that annoying guy who plays the guitar up here or his annoying wife. It just may be you and where your heart is. As the worship team comes up, I want to give you an opportunity. I believe everyone should get an opportunity. An opportunity to come before the Lord today and say, you know what, I don't like what that bald guy says. God, can you take the scary man and tell him to go away? <laughs> but I want to give you an opportunity to repent. Whether that repentance is towards somebody that you're judging incorrectly, whether that repentance is to repent about your understanding of how you've dealt with leadership here, Maybe with your spouse. Maybe you're dealing with your spouse incorrectly. But I want to give you that opportunity. Because I think everyone should. And this is the reason why. We don't know if Jesus is coming back at 4 o'clock today. At 8 o'clock tonight. Tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. And I believe you should be given the opportunity to let go of these things that are hindering your walk.
that are hindering your Christianity, that are hindering your conduct before the Lord. Because you might not get another chance. So if I somehow struck a chord and you want to let that go because you want to be free, because you want to be godly, because you want to be a true citizen of heaven, then, then just stand up. Just stand where you are. Just stand where you are and we'll pray for you. Just stand where you are. Let God do a work in you. You know where you are with your spouse. You know where you are maybe with a family member. You can stay standing. You know, it takes great courage to stand. I'm going to tell you that. I am impressed. And I don't impress very easily. Because really what you're saying to the rest of us is, I'm guilty. That's just beautiful to see. You bless my heart. Because if the Lord were to come back tonight, He would smile. And there would be no issue between you and Him. Because you're resolving it here. Now. Before witnesses. Because He says, if you are, you know, you're supposed to liquidate your sin before the body of Christ. We don't need to know the details. We just need to know that you need prayer in some area. And we're going to pray right now. And I feel that there's still someone here just angry, just uh, gritting their teeth. Don't walk into this afternoon feeling like that. Not with the opportunity you've been given right now to let go of it. Anyone else? For I pray. Father, we come before you a people broken. A people that we just commit stupidity after stupidity, Lord. And Father, we just want to ask for your forgiveness, Lord. We want to ask for your heart, for your view of others. Can we view those that we have an issue with? Can we view them with your eyes, with your heart? And can we just love them and pray for them and lift them up to you? And Lord, would you dissolve this? Would you melt this, this feeling, this, this harboring, this negative this sinfulness away from me, from us, and that you would use us for your kingdom, for your glory. Father, cleanse us, wash us, redirect us, that we may be your children and that you may be our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can sit. And then I'm going to.